the secretive behavior could also uh, relate to someone's whereabouts and how they're spending money and things like that. So super big red flag there. Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Tracy Conan. Tracy has been investigating fraud for more than 25 years, but she didn't always want to be a forensic accountant. With a dream of one day being a prison warden, Tracy went to Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin to get a criminology degree. A class on financial crime investigations reminded her how much she loved Encyclopedia Brown books as a kid. She continued her criminology degree, but added accounting and economics courses so she could sit for the CPA exam. And here Tracy is finding money in cases of corporate fraud, high net worth divorce, and other financial shenanigans. As if healing from betrayal weren't hard enough, moving towards separation and divorce brings up additional issues, one of them having to do with finances. How do you protect yourself from financial infidelity and what can you do to give yourself a greater sense of control as you move to the next step? My guest, Tracy, a forensic accountant, is here to give you some amazing strategies to do just that. Here we go. Okay, everybody, I'm with Tracy Conan today. And the reason why I brought her in, you know, I'm always thinking, what can help you physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, once you've been betrayed. And one of the things that happens, that can happen, is a financial issue. And and there are all types of infidelity and betrayal. And today we are talking about financial infidelity and everything that goes with it. So welcome, Tracy. Thank you for having me. I know it doesn't sound like an uplifting topic, but financial infidelity happens. And my goal is to help empower people to take control of their situation and fix it, you know, do what you can. Perfect. And that's, that's what we want to hear. So we're, we're talking about protecting yourself against financial insecurity. And, and before we even get started, what would make you even want to take on a topic like this? Well, I've been a forensic accountant for over 25 years. I've been investigating fraud. Some of that is on the corporate side where companies are fighting over contracts gone bad or there's an executive who's stealing. Some of it's on the personal side. So I've been working with people in the divorce space for a really long time. And I help them find money that their spouse has hidden or has spent inappropriately. And it's just, you know, I love fraud. I love putting together that puzzle. I love figuring out where the money has gone and the divorce side of it, the interpersonal relationships, the ability to help someone in such a negative situation is really gratifying to me. You know, and it's so important because as if the shock of betrayal or just that breach of trust or whatever isn't bad enough. So many people are in that position. Here they are just getting the shock of their lives. They were counting on one thing. It's something else entirely. And then the money's gone too. So tell us some red flags. Like, is there anything that people can look for to just, you know, be on the lookout for in case this is something that may happen? Sure. We talk about red flags of financial fraud all the time in your marriage. And I have laundry lists of red flags, but some of the most common ones that your listeners might be seeing in their own marriages or relationships 
things like very secretive behavior surrounding money, especially if that is a change in behavior from how things were handled in the past. So maybe you got locked out of the online bank account, or maybe the tax returns disappeared from the filing cabinet that they were always in. Or maybe the bank statements used to arrive in the mail every month to our house, and now they don't anymore. But the secretive behavior could also uh, relate to someone's whereabouts and how they're spending money and things like that. So super big red flag there. Another big red flag is exhibiting really controlling behavior as it relates to the money. And again, especially if this is a change from how things were. Some people have spouses who are controlling in this regard, and it's pretty consistent. When you see a change where it's switching to be more controlling, that's a pretty big red flag that I see. That's amazing. Now let's talk about financial abuse. What's the difference between, let's say, a, a changing in behaviors and when it's abusive? I mean, that's that could definitely be abusive too, but is there a difference? Financial infidelity and financial abuse have a lot of overlap between them. Financial abuse, I define more so as that controlling behavior itself, using money as a means to control you. And it can exhibit itself through um, not allowing you to spend money or micromanaging what you have spent and questioning you about it. Um, one spouse spending money on themselves you know, freely while not allowing the other spouse to spend money. And it might be controlling the financial information. So financial abuse involves any sort of control surrounding the money. Whereas the infidelity, there is a control aspect there, but it is more so being dishonest about how money is spent or violating agreements that you have about what's going to go on with the money or, you know, in any way betraying your trust as it relates to the money. You know, and I just, with one of our Transform members, Transform members, those are the ones that work uh, at the at the level with me within the PBT Institute. And she was telling me a story about her husband was threatening to leave her homeless. So where does that fit in? Just the, the threats. Is that part of? Right. That's financial abuse. Absolutely. I, you know, as I've worked with people in divorces for over 20 years now, I see that type of thing a lot. They're scaring you. I will leave you penniless. You won't get a penny of equity out of this house. You will get nothing out of my retirement account. And that kind of stuff breaks my heart because I know that it is responsible for keeping people in marriages much longer than they should stay in them. If you are afraid that you're going to end up homeless, penniless, of course, you're probably going to stay in that marriage longer than you otherwise should. I like to tell people, Unless you've got a prenup that says you're not getting a penny, in most cases, you're going to be getting money. The state laws that you will have to get divorced under, you know, have provisions in place to say assets that were accumulated during the marriage have to be split between the married parties. It doesn't matter that he was the one who was working or she was the one who was working. It doesn't matter who so-called earned the money. When that money comes into the marriage, generally speaking, that is marital money. And I know all the attorneys are jumping up and down saying, but wait, there's exceptions. Yes, there are exceptions. But as a general rule, your starting point for thinking should be, I'm probably entitled to half the house and half the retirement. You know, I, I love that you shared that because there are so many people listening, watching this right now saying, having this deep sigh of relief, believing what their partner said. And I'm sure it's kept them stuck because 
believing that that's it, they have nothing is a reason why they're there way longer than they're, than they should be. That's amazing. So I'm, I'm so glad you shared that. So who needs a forensic accountant when it comes to a divorce? Well, here's the thing, probably not, not a lot of people, you know, as a percentage of people getting divorced, I like to say 95% of people can't afford a forensic accountant in their divorce and probably don't need one. But what they do need to do is take a look at their own finances. A forensic accountant is appropriate when you have complicated financial situations and when you have a lot of money at stake. It's expensive to have us involved, and that's part of the reason why a lot of people won't have us involved. But for the average person where you and your husband each have a job, kind of a regular job, you have a house, a couple cars, the kids, it's a pretty normal scenario. You don't need to have a forensic accountant, but you do need to take a critical look at your financials. Um, that's still important. Even if you don't hire a professional to do it, you know, I advise people, you need to be going through your bank statements and going through your credit card statements and seeing exactly what your money has been spent on over the last several years. Okay. So now let's just imagine there's somebody listening to this right now and they're like, okay, you know what? Now that I, that she just said, I probably won't be homeless and penniless. I need to, uh, I need to get my money together and, and figure this out. I have the, the confidence to do so. Is there, and you said what, you know, looking at your bank statements and that kind of thing, is there, um, how do you save up for, for let's say a divorce attorney or even to be able to hire somebody like you? Is there, is there like a plan? Like someone's starting today, what can they start to do? If you're talking about saving for a divorce, you know, when your money is intertwined in a marriage, it is hard. I always advise people that if you have the opportunity in your marriage, have money of your own, have an account of your own where you're putting money away. It's not that you want that money to necessarily be secret, but you certainly want that money to be accessible only to you and available to you in case of emergency. You know, if you're needing to go get an attorney, you probably need $5,000 to put a deposit down with them, right? So that's kind of a starting point to think about, can you gather $5,000? And for those of you who are in a position where even that is not possible for you, one of the best uh, things that you can do is go to a local legal aid society. Many of them won't help with divorce. But what they will do, because they get this question so often, they will help you figure out where you can find a lower cost alternative to the typical divorce attorney. Okay. So is there, where would somebody even look that up? Like what, what would you, what would somebody Google to find these people? Google legal aid society and the city that you live in or the nearest large city to you. Okay. I, I think that's really helpful. So let's say you suspect your partner's doing something, you know, weird with the money. What, what's like the first thing you start to do to protect yourself? The first thing you do is don't say anything to your partner. We don't want to tip them off that we're on to them in the event that something funny is happening with the money. My first piece of advice is to start gathering information. So any accounts that you have, have legal access to. And when I say legal access, I mean your name is on the bank account or on the credit card. If you have legal access to it, go online, start downloading the statements, start gathering information. If you have paper copies of financial documents in your house, make copies of them, put those copies in a safe place. The documents you're looking for in your house might include a will, a trust, old tax returns, 
If you have paper bank statements, those kinds of things, anything of a financial nature, I advise taking copies of it, securing them in a safe place. And then that after that step, then we can start thinking about how do we start looking at these documents, evaluating them to see if something is going on. Okay. So it's, it's a process for sure. What about finding just a little hidden money? What's, you know, we, we sense something's going on and uh, we, we have a feeling. So just some simple, some simple tips. Here's, uh, you know, I have people go line by line through their bank statements and credit card statements and look at every transaction and ask yourself, does this feel right? You know your habits of yourself and your spouse. If you're seeing things like hotels when there was no hotel room that should have been paid for or odd meals out or your spouse um, is not into electronics in any way, but they went and made a big purchase at Best Buy and you knew nothing about that. Things that don't fit the known patterns of behavior are things that I would be suspicious about. But I have people do uh, easy things too like count up the number of paychecks that were deposited over the last year to your joint bank account. Mm. Most people get paid twice a month or every other week. So there would be 24 or 26 paychecks throughout the year. If you go through your bank account, you count them all up and see that there were only 20 paychecks deposited. You know, you've got some missing money. Oh, that's a good one. Wow. But okay. it's so easy, right? Now yeah. that I tell you, you're like, yeah, that's easy. That makes sense. But until I told you, it wasn't something that you might've thought of as an easy way to see if all the money that's supposed to be coming into your household was. Well, and it's also once we've been betrayed and we're in, we're in shock, we're, we're reeling. We're not thinking straight. Our head is like offline. We're not even, we can't even think this way. So it's, it's so helpful to get these, just get these ideas and get these tips. Can you give us a, give share a story with us? of someone you worked with where, you know, it, it looked pretty grim and then, um, and then you found, you found some money for them. I was working on a case where husband and wife split and they had, they were wealthy. They did very well for themselves and they split and he got a girlfriend after the split. And the wife said, well, sure. Okay. We're split up now. He's got a girlfriend, but he's spending thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars on this girlfriend. And isn't half of that money mine? Cause we're still married. Well, the truth is yes, half of that money was her, but how are you going to prove what he was spending on the girlfriend? He was of course, denying spending money on her. We said, does she have a credit card in her name on one of your accounts? Oh no, she doesn't. And we were really bothered because we were looking at his credit card statements and there were purchases that seemed like it might be a girlfriend making them, but we couldn't prove it. It was really frustrating. And my client, the wife, kept saying to me, have you looked at the whore's Instagram account? Have you looked at the whore's Instagram account? And I said, well, she's not necessarily a whore, but okay, I'm going to go look at her Instagram account. And the light bulb went on. She would go shopping, take pictures, take selfies with the $3,000 handbag that she bought, post it on Instagram, tag the store. I took those Instagram posts, went back to the the credit card statements and matched all of it up. She'd take herself out to a fancy lunch, selfie, tag the restaurant, match it to the credit card statement. By the time we got done with this exercise, there was $400,000 spent on this girlfriend. Half of that belonged to my client. 
Wow. Well, so that's a fun one. Yeah. Another, another (laughs) use of social media. Okay. Wouldn't think to use it that way, but there you go. And she must've been so relieved that you were so creative in finding a, you know, finding a way to just to track it. Is there another one that comes to mind? Oh gosh, you're putting me on the spot. Um, I've got, you know, there was one, and again, it's so simple sometimes in these cases. So I'm going and doing a divorce for a couple that lives in the Chicago area, going through all of their finances, not really finding anything. The wife was suspicious. I'm not really finding much until I come across a check that is written out to a utility company in Arizona. And I say to her, why would you write a check to a utility company in Arizona? She said, that makes no sense. And I had been expecting her to say something like, oh, we we paid a bill for our in-laws or we were looking at getting a vacation home out there or, or something. You know, I, I was expecting an, an, uh, an easy explanation and she didn't have one. So we started digging into this. Long story short, her husband had purchased a property in Arizona that he called a rental property. Can you guess what was really going on at the rental property? Wow. That's where his girlfriend lived. So what had happened was he bought this property, established a bank account for himself in his name only at the same bank that they jointly banked at. So their joint checking account was at the same exact bank. He wrote that utility bill check out of the wrong account by accident. He accidentally wrote it out of the joint account instead of his individual account. And that's how we found out he had the property. Wow. And everybody who knows me knows I don't believe in accidents. There you go. Um, You know, it's so it's speaking for the betrayed it is so heartbreaking to even experience it and then to have just and it goes with it it's the lies it's the deception and the levels that it gets to is just so staggering and and so upsetting but it's 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 so great that there's somebody like you out there uh helping helping the the betrayed figure this out what do you want to know what do you want everybody to know as we start to wrap up I want everyone to know that there are resources out there to help them. So I, you know, I talked about doing this consulting work for people who are getting divorced and it's typically for wealthy people, blah, blah, blah. Last year, I came up with the concept that I wanted to help people, the average person in divorce who didn't have a situation that rises to the level of a forensic accountant. So I came up with the divorce money guide and it is a 10 step process that I walk people through so they can do it themselves, even if they're not good with numbers. So I walk you through, how do you get those bank statements? Because believe it or not, some people don't know where to start with that. How do you get your tax returns from the IRS if you don't have them? What do you look for in them? So some of those tips that I gave today, like counting up the paychecks is one of the easy things that we talk about in the divorce money guide. It's an affordable way for people to get a handle on what's been going on with their money. And even if they don't have suspicions about fraud, they just haven't been involved with the money and they want to know where do I start? It's a tool for them in that regard. Oh, that's so great. It's so helpful. Where do they find that? They can go to my website, fraudcoach.com because I am your fraud coach. And they're, uh, they'll see the divorce money guide, a couple other products that I have. They can also at the very top of the fraud coach homepage, there is a link to the red flag assessment. If you have seen some signs in your marriage regarding the money that have you concerned, but you don't know how worried should I be? You can take the assessment, 15 questions. It'll take you a few minutes. And I will tell you how likely it is that something bad is happening with your money. 
You know, I love that so much. Tracy, this was so helpful because it's something that just we're, we're reeling from, we're trying to navigate through, we don't know where to start. And it's so helpful to know that there's actually a process to just make, make it a little bit, make it a little bit easier for some, you know, around something that we never thought or hoped we'd ever have to deal with, but we do. And for, you know, for it to be a little bit easier is just, is just so helpful. So I want to thank you so much for your time, for your attention, Uh, for your wisdom. And I know so many of our listeners and viewers are going to get so much out of what you shared. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I hope you found a strategy or two that were helpful and inspires you to do some investigating if you feel you need to. Stay in touch with Tracy by going to divorcemoneyguide.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Look for things that don't make sense, like missing tax returns, rental properties you didn't rent, even secretive behavior. Tracy also suggested contacting the legal aid society in your area for additional support. And as you're doing your research, don't say anything, just gather your information, make copies and get the information you need so that you can have a better understanding of what's happening. It's so wrong that we even need to be talking about this, but it's real. So please protect yourself. Of course, we're here to help. Within the PBT Institute, we have masterclasses from financial planners. One of our certified PBT coaches even specializes in separation and divorce. So she's always on hand to help members if that's what they're going through. See for yourself at the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com and join us to heal and transform after betrayal. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.